I bid you all uh, a good morning in the Lord's name to our adult Bible class. Uh, welcome to those joining us online also. As we commence, let us open in prayer, please. Merciful and almighty God, Thou Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, in the name of Thy Son, we approach Thee with boldness to the throne of grace. And looking unto Thee, Lord, to give help as we, as Thy Word is opened up and as we continue our study of, of Thy moral law. And we thank Thee, Lord, for this opportunity. And we thank Thee, Lord, for bringing us into Thy house. We thank Thee for the, the measure of health and strength that Thou hast granted us this day. Forgive our sins, O oh God, we pray. And open our hearts, Lord, that thy word would enter in, that there be words of life, correction, instruction. Lord, hear us in Jesus' name. Amen. Please open your copies of God's word to Exodus chapter 21, please. Exodus 21. Exodus 21, and we'll read from verse 12. Exodus 21 and verse 12. He that smiteth a man so that he, sh he die shall be surely put to death. And if a man lie not in wait, but God deliver him into his hand, then I will appoint thee a place whither he shall flee. But if a man come presumptuously upon his neighbor to slay him with guile, thou shalt take him from mine altar that he may die. And he that smiteth his father or his mother shall be surely put to death. And he that stealeth a man and selleth him, or if he be found in his hand, he shall surely be put to death. And he that curseth his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. And if men strive together and one smite another with a stone or with his fist, and he die not, but keepeth his bed, and if he rise again and walk abroad upon his staff, then shall he that smote him be quit, only he shall pay for the loss of his time, and shall cause him to be thoroughly healed. And if a man smite his servant or his maid with a rod, and he die under his hand, he shall be surely punished. Notwithstanding, if he continue a day or two, he shall not be punished, for he is his money. If men strive and hurt a woman with child, so that her fruit depart from her, and yet no mischief follow, he shall surely be punished, according as the woman's husband will lay upon him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. And if any mischief follow, then thou shalt give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burning for burning, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. Amen. So we now come into our third and last question regarding the sixth commandment, thou shalt not kill, and we're up to question 69. And so 69, having seen what the commandment is, we have seen what, what the commandment requires, and now we see what the command forbids. What is forbidden in the sixth commandment? The sixth commandment forbiddeth the taking away of our own life or the life of our neighbor unjustly 
or whatsoever tendeth thereunto. The sixth commandment forbiddeth the taking away of our own life or the life of our neighbor unjustly or whatsoever tendeth thereunto. Before we get into the meat of what the, the question and answer, especially the answer uh, details, is it's, it may be good to realize that the sixth commandment is, is only concerned with human life. And that's not to say that uh, the Bible encourages uh, cruelty or abuse of animals. It certainly does not. Uh, but this precept, thou shalt not kill, does not prohibit the killing of beasts. And therefore, the killing of beasts for protection of, 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 of humans, protection of anyone else, protection of your own livestock, uh, but also for meat, for food. Uh, God has given them as a grant uh, for food and for other uses. Consider what what uh, benefits that we have from, uh, from an animal, from the leather, uh, for, for clothing and upholstery, for the, the bones of, I presume it still is, but it used to be for glue, uh, and the meat, of course, and any other uh, things that we can uh, draw from them. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you, even as the green herb have I given you all things, the Lord says in Genesis 9 and verse 3, as he speaks to Noah and he speaks to all of the post-flood mankind. But we also learn this in Proverbs 12 and verse 10 when we're considering about our treatment of animals that it says, A righteous man regardeth the life of his beast, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. So it's not that we are to, uh, to over-pamper animals, as is often the case. You see, these days the people have fur babies, which is, uh, I would say, is wrong. It is promoting the life of a pet uh, to be the equivalent of your own children. Uh, but a man regardeth the life of a righteous man regardeth the life of his beast. And the language of Scripture, of course, when it uses the word righteous, is not somebody who is just keeping rules on the outside. It's somebody who believes on the inside. So a believer is to maintain the life and quality of life of his animals. But coming back to the fourth commandment, which is regarding the life of humans, we see firstly in the answer that we're given is that it's forbidden to end our own life. It is forbidden to end our own life. Is it ever lawful to end your own life? Is, it ever, is there any case or situation where it may be warranted or excused? Now what we see in, in this, this godless and murderous society we live in at the moment is that there are a thousand and one excuses are given uh, why this might be allowed, why, what, why suicide, uh, euthanasia might be allowed. But the scriptures make it very clear that it's absolutely unlawful. It is not your life to take at all for whatever reason. Uh, and rather, as Job says, we have to wait upon the providential allowance of God, who is sovereign over life, who's the giver and the taker of life, as regards to our own death. Job says in 14, verse 14, if a man dies, shall he live again? And he says, all the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. And although there are instances of people committing suicide in the Bible, of taking their own life, they are all examples of those with a wicked character. If we think of King Saul on his last battle, in that battlefield uh, where he, he, he demands of his, uh, his armor-bearer, uh, to, to slay him, and the armor-bearer had more fear of God than King Saul did and refused. So Saul fell on his own sword. What about Ahithophel, 
And Ahithophel was the, one of David's counselors, but then uh, when Absalom uh, uh, rebelled against his father and took over the kingdom, Ahithophel became uh, one of his counselors, but his counsel, and he was a very wise man, um, but his counsel was ignored at one point, and so he committed uh, suicide. And Judas Iscariot in the New Testament, a very famous example of a man that died in his sins, refused to be restored to Christ as, as Peter did, uh, as Peter was restored to Christ, but Judas took his own life. Some might even point to Samson. So what did Samson do at the end of his life when he put his hands between the, the pillars in that, in, that, in that great house? But the New Testament witness of Samson is a positive witness. We might look at that, what happened, and as he pushed those columns apart and the building fell down. But in Hebrews 11, he is, he is counted amongst the heroes of the faith. Uh, Hebrews 11, verse 32, And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and Samson and the prophets. So when in Judges 16:13 we, 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 we read of him praying to God, his last prayer and his last uh, valiant effort as a judge, uh, avenging the, the Philistines uh, who were the enemies of God's people, he says this in uh, Judges 16.30, And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might, and the house fell upon the lords, and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. And just preceding that in verse 28, And Samson called upon the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And so pulling down the, the house upon himself and upon all the lords of the Philistines and the thousands of people who were there, 3,000 men and women, he did not intend his own death anymore as an inevitable consequence of destroying the enemies of God's people. You go out into a battlefield, uh, these are the risks uh, that one is, is taking. And he was called to be the judge, to be the defender. And he was called, and God saw no sin in his request. God saw nothing uh, wicked or immoral, but God answered. God gave him that strength. God gave him that ability for that one-time revenge upon God's people. But the actual crime of self-murder is a, is, a, a uh, is a greater crime because it, it accompanies other wickednesses, which make it worse than at first glance if we consider. Um, firstly, if you think that it's, it is the most unnatural thing to do to take away your own life, it's, it's contrary to the, the innate sense of self-preservation that we all have. It's in our instincts to, to pull away from something that's hot or to move out of something that, out of the way of something that's coming towards us. It's, it's so built into us, and then to desire to destroy that is so contrary. And as we looked at last week, even Satan had to admit this in Job 2 and verse 4. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. Secondly, that desire 
and uh, the action of suicide. It reveals what? It reveals a, a terrible lack, a gross lack of patience in suffering and in difficulties of life. It is a, there seems to be some sort of deeply rooted discontentment with what you have in, in, in this present time. And, and yes, things can be uh, difficult, but the expectation that one would have is, uh, is obviously out of accord with the truth. If one is, is brought to suicide and considers all the things that they have, they are counting their cursings one by one and not counting any blessing at all. And so their mind has turned all the way to that which is negative. And when one does that, of course, then, 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 then depression, the discontentment and depression and even suicidal depression are the natural results thereof. So it is a, a sinfulness uh, of the mind. So a sinning against the innate self-preservation, uh, a, a, a sinning of the mind, when one will not suffer difficulties, uh, but expect a, a, a perfection upon this earth, a perfection which we do not create in our own lives or in other people's lives, which is very mindful of Job's own wife. So just moving on, uh, in, in Job chapter 2 again, then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his lips. So it's a refusal to receive and to abide under the dark providences of God. It's, it, it's, it's unbelief. It's unbelief. And thirdly, it is a, a, a wicked encroachment. It's a stepping upon uh, the prerogative of God because it is only God who is the giver and the taker of life. 1 Samuel 2 and verse 6 says, The Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. So he's the, he, is the, he is the Lord of, of, of all life, of our first life, of our second life. It mentions the resurrection there as well. He is the, the Lord of it all, and we have no business. The hospitals have no business. AHS has no business in interfering with the matters of God, for they are not God, but sinful and, and wicked uh, men and women. And fourthly, uh, suicide is the most, most reckless and presumptuous thing to do, that where life here seems to be so difficult or not going according to plan, or this person has deeply wounded you, or these people of family and loved ones have rejected you, and, and then you think, well, the only way out, the only way to solve this problem is to flee from the problem. I mean, that has its own um, psychological issues as well, that you run from problems as opposed to either deal with them in whichever way you can, looking to the Lord to help you deal with them. But it's a presumptuous thing to rush headlong into death without being prepared for death. And I certainly believe this is one of, the, one of the reasons why the Lord would encourage euthanasia, uh, not the Lord, the, why the devil would encourage euthanasia uh, in this generation to encourage so many people just to, just to uh, end their own lives, Christless lives, sinful lives, uh, and be he cast headlong into hell. Uh, which reminds me of, again, of what uh, Saul did. Uh, unto his armor bearer, 1 Samuel 31, 4 and 5. Saul was not prepared for death. Saul was a, 
had been rebuked by God and wasn't repentant for it. He had, uh, he had been chasing the anointed of God, David. He was a, a, a murderous man. He looked to set up his own kingdom and not the kingdom of God in Israel. And then said Saul unto his armor-bearer, Draw thy sword and thrust me through therewith, lest those uncircumcised come and thrust me through and abuse me. But his armor-bearer would not, for he was sore afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword and fell upon it. And when his armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he fell likewise upon his sword and died with him. Bad example from the king to his armor-bearer. But we understand and see there that Saul was absolutely focused upon this world and what he was able to get out of this world and had no fear of God before his eyes. And so we understand then that it's clear that euthanasia, the ending of one's own life, and those are the matters that we see uh, these days are clearly forbidden by the sixth commandment. Thou shalt not kill that life which does not belong to you, but belongs to God. So we're forbidden, clearly, to end our own life. And, and secondly, we're forbidden to end our neighbor's life. The sixth commandment forbiddeth the taking away of our own life, or the life of our neighbor unjustly, as the, as the answer uh, uh, reads. But it is that last word, unjustly, uh, that should help us to uh, understand the context and to, to, to help understand the breadth, but at the same time, um, the limits of the command against taking uh, somebody's life. The larger catechism, and question 136, if you want to look that up, it contains the following phrase, and it's quite a large answer, hence the larger catechism. It contains the following phrase to help us understand the just taking of somebody's life. And it says, it gives uh, three things. It says, except in the case of public justice. Secondly, in the case of war, a lawful war. Now, there's, there's something that could be said about a lawful war there, but we're not going to go into those details or necessary self-defense. And, and, and some of that we looked at last week, especially self-defense, being able to defend yourself. So it is lawful, clearly, and if you want the, the Bible quotes from that, for, for the case of public justice, we would look at Numbers 35. In the case of a lawful war, Jeremiah 48, Deuteronomy 20. We could even look further into uh, uh, Matthew uh, in the New Testament, uh, Mark, and even Paul, where he uses the example of a soldier, not as something that is terrible, unclean, and wicked, but as, as an honorable profession. Um, and a necessary defense, well, Exodus 22, verses 2 and 3, which we did not read this morning. So it's lawful for a state to inflict capital punishment upon those that take life, to take their life, um, uh, those who have taken life. So upon notorious criminals, upon the great wickedness in society, it should be that there is the place for the death penalty, and especially, of course, for murderers, those that take life. But it is also lawful for a state to declare war, to defend itself. And maybe, and I say maybe because it depends on the situation, and, and maybe to defend an ally or a friendly state that is being attacked. We know how world wars have been started because of these, because of these alliances uh, that uh, 
that were made that uh, Poland was invaded and because the UK had made an agreement with, with Poland in the years before the Second World War, that was then a reason to draw uh, Britain into a war with Germany as Germany had invaded, invaded Poland. So these things are not black and white, but the principle is there. But besides murder, we, if we read the law of Moses, then we'll see the moral principles that are set forth in that law regarding capital punishment and that the, the, the nation having the right, the judges having the right uh, to, to deal with this. And as we also already read in, in Exodus uh, 21, and we saw uh, that phrase that's often quoted and misquoted, uh, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and hand for hand and foot for foot, and that is within the context of the judges determining, the judges determining that the husband may come and, and lay a punishment upon the person, but it's ultimately the judges. It is the secular authorities, the magistrates that determine all of this eye for eye. So personal revenge is not part of it. And so, as is often the case, Gandhi was wrong when he decried the scriptures with his uh, blasphemous statement, an eye for an eye leaves the whole, whole world blind. No, there was none so blind as Gandhi. And so there are other matters that are punishable in the law uh, by death in the capital punishment. Um, deliberate blasphemy is mentioned in Leviticus 24. It's not accidental, but deliberate blaspheming of God. Um, uh, adultery, a notorious adultery, Leviticus 20. And then other, other terrible uh, matters, incest, sodomy, bestiality, witchcraft, are, are to be rooted out of society uh, as quickly as possible because they have such a, a wicked effect uh, upon a nation and upon the morals of a nation. And we just open our eyes and look around today and see where we are step by step uh, ending up in Sodom. But anything that can cause the death of our neighbor is also to be avoided anything that, to, that we would do and that could cause that death. And we'll just consider the, 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 the weapon that we have in our hands uh, every day is the car, reckless driving, driving foolishly, driving dis distractedly, um, especially reckless driving causes death uh, to other people, other, other, other road users in their cars, but also those who are walking on the sidewalk. Dangerous sports as well, you know, there's been a great increase in the last 30 years of, of highly dangerous sports. Anything to get that thrill, anything to get that, that kick in life. And so dangerous sports have taken away many lives. And, and maybe this is a bit of an old-fashioned thing, but dueling. Dueling. In some ways we might even uh, go so far as to say there are some, there are some combat sports that are so, so, so gruesome. Um, and as much as they may be very realistic, when you consider um, uh, fighting in the octagon and, and, and these uh, mixed martial arts, and yet they can be so gruesome in the, the, in the pounding upon the skull of a man that's, that, that brain injury is, is almost unavoidable, however skillful uh, it might be. But I would say that in some ways that's modern-day modern dueling, but even dueling that does take place that people will used to very often for their own honor's sake and pride's sake would, 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 would kill a man. 
And then just dangerous dares, and you get that, and that's, that's not gone away. If anything, that's increased with, with social media, that people would dare you to do something. I mean, some foolish matters, daring to take two bottles of Tylenol or something, and, and people would dare each other to do something, and then, then they end up in hospital, and if the hospital is unable to help them, then they end up in, in the grave. But all of those things that I've mentioned, reckless driving, dangerous sports and the like, they, it, it, it's, could they come from, an, from a sinful attitude in any case? Uh, passions, sinful passions, pride, and even revenge. And especially that last part of revenge where life is to be taken in some way is, again, it's a bold invasion of God's rights. Where revenge is taken, whether revenge with the mouth or revenge with the fist, it's, it, it's an invasion of God's right of vengeance. Only he has the right to take vengeance. We have to learn, and it's something we learn not easily, but we must learn to leave all vengeance in the hand of God, lest we be contemptuous before God. It is his right. And Romans 12 and verse 19 makes that clear. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. How difficult that is. How difficult that is to allow vengeance to be in the hand of God. Because it's in the very nature of, of the flesh to want to take revenge, to say those mean things, to, you, to, 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 to try to take revenge even in a light way as opposed to saying this belongs to God, I will leave it. So all those things that were mentioned, uh, especially with regards to the magistrates and the capital punishment, which is right, which the state has a right to, and we understand that in Romans 13 and verse 4, for he is the minister of God to thee for good, but if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he, that beareth, for he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. And so there we see a clear description of what God expects of the state uh, to be a minister of God for good, uh, but bearing the sword uh, for that which is evil. And therefore it is right that a state and a people maintain uh, capital punishment and it deters, not only deters, and where people would say, well, it fails to deter, that be so, but it punishes. It punishes, it, it means that the land itself is not stained with unjust blood, uh, but, but blood for blood has been shed. Uh, and thirdly, and, and, and finally, um, so we've seen uh, we are forbidden in the sixth commandment to end our own life, forbidden to end our neighbor's life, um, and thirdly, forbidden to do any harm to human life. Uh, and that, so that command also forbids, as it has at the end of that uh, answer, whatsoever tends there to. Let me just read that answer again. 69. The sixth commandment forbiddeth the taking away of our own life or the life of our neighbor unjustly or whatsoever tendeth there to. And again, the large catechism and that same question and answer, 136, come to our aid. And very succinctly, uh, but very comprehensively, uh, describe these matters. 
that can tend to the taking of our own or our neighbor's life unjustly. And some very obvious things will be mentioned. The neglecting or the withdrawing of the lawful and necessary means of the preservation of life. So when we consider that, uh, we, we can think of how that is done, that people with, withdraw, and that's br- br- it's almost the phraseology of the euthanasia movement, is withdrawing the means of life so that there will be some sort of natural death when in reality you are causing that death. So removing food, as it were, to shut down the digestive system and certainly removing water so that the person would not have the means to have those natural processes. Every, every natural process in the body needs water either directly or indirectly to, to perform its actions. That's why we cannot survive very long without water. Uh, but the neglecting or the withdrawing, the lawful, the necessary means of the preservation of life is contrary to the sixth commandment. And then it moves on. It talks about sinful anger. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God because the wrath of man, it it comes forth out of the old man of the flesh. It comes forth and and the anger is so tainted. It is so tainted that that righteous anger is is a rarity. It's a rarity. Certainly we can point to the Lord Jesus Christ but there was no sin in him, no, no shadow of turning, no darkness. But in ourselves, we cannot speak so positively at all. Uh, and so rightly it says sinful anger. Why? Because sinful anger leads to at least to manslaughter, if not to outright murder. Uh, and what is the fuel of anger? What, 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 gives, what gives the fuel to anger? It's hatred. So hatred that's allowed to remain in the heart and hatred, of course, is the very, is the very emotion of the devil. And, and for a Christian to allow hatred to remain in the heart, because that, that hatred won't just stay in a box. That hatred will spread. It will fester. It causes bitterness. It causes all sorts of uh, further wicked uh, things. As I mentioned, sinful anger, or as the larger catechism mentions, sinful anger. And so we're linked with hatred. It adds envy. Again, that's the hatred of what someone else has got that you haven't got, and you envy them for that, whatever it might be, status, position, ability, uh, money. And see how these things are connected together. But many, many believers have this false idea that their anger is a righteous anger, that their hatred is a righteous hatred, uh, and yet hatred is taught in the Scriptures specifically, not only, there is nuance here, but hatred of our own sin. Hatred of sin, that's really the, uh, the reason why we have hatred. It, it does say in the Scriptures, yet I hate those that hate thee, O Lord. But it is a hatred of our own sin, hatred of sin in society as opposed to the hatred of people. I said there is nuance. And so connected with all this sinful anger, hatred, and envy is the desire of revenge, and we've already touched upon that. That revenge does not belong to any man. It belongs to God only. And all excessive passions it speaks of, that that passions, emotions, in all these various areas of life, if they become excessive, if they become ruling, nothing wrong 
um, with having emotions, but when those emotions become passions, when they become uh, uncontrolled, when they take the lead, when they, instead of the mind ruling the heart, as it were, but when the heart rules the mind, that is not the godly order. That is, that is, the, that, that is a diabolical order. And that's why the devil manipulates emotions. That's why the devil through Disney says, follow your heart. And, but God doesn't say that. God never says that. Oh, when there are other matters, uh, even linking with the first one, the immoderate use of meat and drink. The immoderate use. So, uh, and we can see here people who deprive themselves of food because they want to be as skinny as possible or those that abuse uh, meat and drink so that they become very, very unhealthy, become obese. Uh, the immoderate use of work, where people just work every hour, as it were, that the Lord sends, but, uh, but, but they need rest. You're not, you're not to work seven days a week. There are six days of work. Or the immoderate use of recreation where people become obsessed with entertainment and going out and doing this and, and yet they're not providing for themselves, they're not providing for their family and then become a burden upon society. Linked with sinful and anger, hatred and envy is also the words, provoking words, words that provoke, uh, words that provoke uh, matters directly to somebody or also behind their back. This brings us back to, uh, to gossip as well. Slander. Slander. Uh, God hates slander. God hates gossip. He hates a tattletale that goes up and down the land and spreading wickedness about other people because that is man taking revenge into his own hands. And vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay also points to the fact that he will repay those that take his rights. And so we come to the end of that list and we include things like oppression, oppressing other people in whatever way, quarreling, striking, wounding, and whatsoever else tends to the destruction of the life. So it's not just the immediate taking away of life, but it's anything that causes harm to a life because you add harm to harm and eventually you will have taken life uh, physically. And so, whatsoever tends thereto has a very broad uh, understanding, including not only violence with the fist, but as we've seen, violence with the mouth, set upon the destruction of another human being's mental health, emotional health, physical health, reputation also. Whatsoever, t whatsoever tends thereto. So finally, though, as we close... Uh, let us consider the spiritual and the gospel application of the sixth commandment. And although we may be innocent of the actual bloodshedding of others, yet we are still chargeable with the worst kind of murder when we refuse to take a care for our own soul, where the gospel is preached and we have no care for it, that we do not take it, we do not come to Christ that we might have life, and you might think, well, preacher, you're preaching to, uh, to true believers here. That's true, but then the application is this also. Is then we withhold the words of everlasting life to those that need to heal it, hear it from our neighbor. Uh, and we know how broad 
the, by biblical use of the word neighbor, his is, so that he or she will die in his or her sins, that in thou shalt not kill, and that shall not cause any harm, thou shalt not do whatsoever tends thereto, that there is a great need for everyone within uh, the church in their own way, or in the, in the, in the, in the biblical way, I should say, um, to have a thought for the soul of their own neighbor and of their own family. And sometimes that's not easy, of course, because the fear of man is a terrible snare, even in regarding uh, gospel work and, and speaking a word to a neighbor or to a family, uh, even when things have been difficult and you're unable to speak freely, and yet we can pray to the Lord, that Lord, that we would not be guilty, that we would not have the blood of others on our own hand, even in this gospel application of the sixth commandment. Are there any questions as we close? If not, then we will close in prayer. Our Lord and our God, we, we give thee thanks uh, that we've had the help of the shorter catechism and the larger catechism today to consider thy solemn command thou shalt not kill Lord and we've seen the broadness of it Lord even in the maintenance of life and the maintenance of health and reputation of others Lord we do pray that thou would give us hearts and consciences that are soft and softened towards thy word and toward thy rebuke Lord, that we would be careful with our fists and with our words. Lord, have mercy, we pray. Bless thy word to us. May it cause us to grow in grace. We pray thee in Jesus' name. Amen.